Welcome to the Broken Vessels Podcast. Jeremiah 18.4 states, And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to do. This is the Broken Vessels Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Simpkins. This is a podcast where we have discussions on theological themes for the broken to bring encouragement and hope in Christ. And I'd like to thank you today for joining me on the Broken Vessels Podcast. And I have a really special guest today. We are going to be talking about being broken by bad theology. And my guest today is somebody that's been a very big encouragement to me through his podcast and through his ministry, and it's Patrick Abendroth. Patrick Abendroth is the senior pastor of Omaha Bible Church in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, He enjoys a vibrant expository preaching ministry. He is a graduate of the University of Nebraska, the Master's Seminary, where he received his Master of Divinity, and Ligonier Academy, where he received a demon. He also co-hosts the weekly theology podcast, The Pactum, which is a <laughs> been a huge encouragement to me. I am a part of the Pactum verse, as they talk about so very often on the podcast. And he is married to Molly. Uh, he's been married to her for 31 years. They have five children. And as Pat states often, he's pretty into bikes. <laughs> so, Patrick, uh, we really appreciate you joining us for the Broken Vessels podcast. Hey, Joshua, it is a pleasure. I'm so thankful to be doing this with you, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. We'll have a lot of fun, I think, along the way. I'm glad you're part of the Pactum verse, and uh, it's kind of fun. And as we were discussing earlier, and we were on video, even though this is an audio recording. You uh, are are representing us well with your shirt and hat. So, and I've got my pack and tumbler here. So, uh, I'm feeling the fellowship. It's pretty sweet already. <laughs> awesome, awesome. The only thing I wish I had was the Pactum snow globe, but I know that's like a proprietary item. So, <laughs> right, there is only one, but there is talk of maybe you know giving it away or something like that. So, it's so, so yeah, funny, Josh. Joshua, I have to tell you that. In my notes, uh, the notes that you sent me to kind of get ready or know what we're going to talk about, uh, they it says episode eight, broken by bad theology guest, and then it says Pat Abendroth. But when I first glanced at it, I just saw the words bad theology guest. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. Uh, no, so you're, you're a good theology guest. <laughs> that was awesome. It just kind of made me laugh. I, I did yellow highlighting, bad theology guest, Pat Abendroth. So I'm sure there are some people who think that, but oh, well, God gives grace. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, we are talking today about bad theology and how bad theology can bring brokenness in our lives. And what is the answer to that? And the reason I asked Pat to come on this episode is because he is very articulate, very precise in the way that he explains historical, confessional, reformed theology. And so, Pat, 
my first question to you is, can you explain why having proper categories when understanding scripture and theology as a result of scripture is so important? Sure, I can take a stab at it anyway. And I, I'm almost a broken record anymore, Joshua, just saying in theology classes and classes I teach and even in preaching or the podcast on the Pactum that in so many ways, theology is about categories. Categories, 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 distinctions, distinctions, distinctions that help us with categories. Because when we stop and think about it, the Bible, it's huge. I mean, 66 books, but so many words, different cultures, different languages, different people, different times, different vocabularies. It, it can be, I, I think if we're honest, it can be super confusing. And so we'd better start creating categories or, or maybe better yet, even the way you formulated the question. It's from the Bible, but we'd better start observing the way the Bible uses certain words, for example, so that we can allow the Bible to create categories for us. So I think one good example that I think everyone who listens to your show can understand would be, for example, the word calling. The Bible talks about, well, Jesus says, uh, many are called, but few are chosen. So Jesus uses the word calling, but then the apostle Paul, when he speaks of calling, everybody who's called is going to be saved. And so now all of a sudden, is it a conflict? Well, no, there's no conflict, but there are different people using language in different ways sometimes. Same word. So we'd better have, we better think about a category. And you and I both know that uh, theologians have thought this through. They've thought about it. They've argued about it. And there's a category now that's helpful, that we think is biblical. There's the general call that we give to everyone. We preach the gospel to everyone. But we know that there's also this thing we've uh, labeled the effectual call, the effective call, the call that's by the Holy Spirit that is going to draw the elect to salvation. So I, I love to use that simple one because everyone can find those two examples in the Bible and then they can say, oh, the same word used in different ways. We have to do theology, not just with word studies. We have to say they're, they mean different things because they're different contexts. General call, everybody hears the gospel. That's why we preach to everybody. Effectual call, the Holy Spirit is going to draw the elect like in oh Acts 13, 48, all those who were appointed unto eternal life believed. Well, they, they received the effectual call by the Spirit. So I think that's helpful just as a way to get started. Uh, is that kind of what you're looking for, at least to get us started? Yeah, definitely. And understanding like categories when it comes to justification, sanctification, yeah. all, yep. all yep. of those things, because many times we find people that flatten those things. They try to uh, conflate law and gospel. Um, and, and we'll get into that a little bit more as we continue our conversation, but these categories are very, very important when talking to each other as believers, when um, yeah. talking in, uh, in these terms. Because if we don't have proper categories, it can be very hurtful to people. It can bring brokenness in people's lives. I, I couldn't agree more. And maybe if we want to, um, that first one wasn't very controversial or difficult. But maybe another place where we use categories a lot because the Bible's so big and has so much data, and it, but it's not alphabet soup. It's not confusing. But when we are when we don't have categories, it is confusing, and then it, it brings brokenness and hurt and discouragement. So I think of uh, you know works and grace. So the, is salvation by what we do by obeying God's law, or is it by God's grace coming to us freely through His Son? Well, 
And Romans, at first glance, Romans looks like it teaches both. And, and you and I know that it doesn't, mm-hmm. uh, but it looks like it does. For example, maybe uh, you could have your, maybe your listeners would look at Romans 2 and Romans 3. So much discouragement, so much confusion is brought when you don't have a category for works and grace. And uh, Romans 2.13 says, and this is a good litmus for whether or not people are confused about Christianity, and many times people are. Romans 2.13 says, for it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, in other words, justified, but the doers of the law who will be justified. Now, I think that's what, I think that's a true verse. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think the Bible is saying what's true, uh, but but that, that looks a lot like, well, it, it, it doesn't look a lot like it says explicitly, uh, doers of the law will be justified. So apparently on the face of it, only people who are obedient to God's law will be justified, will be declared righteous in his court of law. And that, that's discouraging. And, and when someone says, oh, that's, that's good news. Well, that's, it's actually not good news. It's true but it's not good news. So then Joshua, as you know, but it's probably good for your, your listeners. If we keep reading um, what he says is true, but he's not preaching the gospel yet. That's just saying, Hey, you need to look outside of yourself to be saved right. because nobody meets that obligation. So then if we keep reading. There's an argument in, and in, in Romans three twenty it says for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. So it's an apparent contradiction because the only way to be justified is to be a doer. But then he says, works of the law, it doesn't lead to justification for anybody. And then Romans 3.24, justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So is it a gift or is it by doing? Apparent contradiction. Oh, Christian theologians who are thoughtful and mature, they say there's categories, right? Right. There's a category for you must be perfect to get to heaven. You must be a doer of the law to be justified, but nobody meets the obligation. Romans 3.10, none righteous, no, not one. So we look to Christ. We don't look to ourselves. And he is the perfect doer of the law. That's why it comes to us by grace. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, we don't. It's, it's good news. It's wonderful. I have a category for works. I have a category for grace. And now we're, now we're on to something. Now we can make some, as one mentor of mine said, we can make some sanctified sense out of the Bible. Right. right. Categories, categories, categories. Otherwise, it's, as the old song says, it's the ball of confusion. Right. Exactly. So you've mentioned, and I've mentioned, some of the important categories and doctrines that we as believers mm-hmm. should understand in order to process through brokenness and suffering properly. Can you expound on that a little bit? What are what you would consider vitally important categories for us as believers sure. to understand? Yes. And so, you know, we've already kind of scratched the surface. I just left it generic at that point in time, just as far as works and grace, obedience and grace. But Protestants for a long time now, both in the, the Lutheran tradition, but not only the Lutheran tradition, but in the Protestant Reformed tradition, have acknowledged, oh, and even Baptists, uh, even Spurgeon, how about that, um, <laughs> have acknowledged the, the, the very important distinction between law and gospel. And I know that's near and dear to your heart. Very much. But even even Theodore Beza, who was Calvin's successor in Geneva, and last time I checked, he's not Lutheran. <laughs> mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a Reformed guy. He says, 
we divide this word, meaning the Bible, into two principal parts or kinds. The one is called the law, the other the gospel. For all the rest can be gathered under the one or the other of these two headings. We must pay great attention to these things, he says, for with good reason we can say that ignorance of this distinction between law and gospel is one of the principal sources for the abuses, I'm just thinking of your podcast, Brokenness, Mm -hmm. which corrupted and still corrupt Christianity. And now we, we haven't seen it in the Bible yet, but we're at least hearing it from a leading Protestant reformer. You better get this right or you're just going to have a bunch of confusion. We call it the law gospel distinction mm-hmm. or law gospel categories. Uh, and basically everything can be either under the heading of law, what God requires, or gospel, what God graciously provides. And then you, all of a sudden you start looking at text after text and you can say, oh, that's, that's law. That's what God requires. Uh, or that's gospel. And as you know, I like to say, if, if we don't distinguish, if we don't categorize those two, we ruin both. We weaken the law, uh, and that's not good. Uh, or we somehow add law to the gospel, and we corrupt the gospel, and uh, Galatians has us to know that's not good. Amen. <laughs> that's so, so true. Law, gospel, and, and man, when people don't get this, it's no wonder they're in bondage. It's no wonder they're confused. It's no wonder everything is so messed up. Maybe a couple texts. Can we do that? Can, we, can, sure. can I offer two, two texts? Yeah, that'd be so, great. One really clear one that I like to go to is Jesus in Matthew five forty eight, when he says, you therefore must be not sort of good, not mainly good, not kind of good. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And uh, what do you think, Joshua, law or gospel? Uh, that would be law. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> that would be law. That would be capital L law, yeah. right? It's, it's what God requires. Definitely. You must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Uh, he goes on to talk about you. You won't see the kingdom of heaven. So it's really clear. That's law. It's what God requires. And we need to remember it. It's good to know that. And again, fitting with the theme of brokenness, that will break you. And it's yeah. the good kind of broken. Yes. Uh, you, you need to know that you need to, you're more broken than you think. And you're not going to get reassembled or put back together or reconstructed uh, or healed uh, unless you know just how broken you are. Yeah, and definitely and, not going to be able to do that on your own. Never. Not, and, and not even, as some religious systems say, with some, some help by the Holy Spirit. No, that's not the answer for you being perfect. The answer for you being perfect, according to the Bible, is you need alien righteousness. You need alien perfection. You need somebody else to do it for you. That's why the Bible says, Jesus Christ, the righteous, Jesus Christ, the perfect law keeper, look to him. Uh, Maybe another classic example, since we're trying to help people understand law, what God requires, that's a category. Gospel, what God graciously provides, whether it's in the gospels or it's in the Old Testament or the New Testament, that's not what we mean. We mean wherever it is, we call it law or gospel for shorthand. First Corinthians 15, three, I think is just simple. It says Christ died for our sins. Hmm. And we say that's gospel. Amen. He died. He did. He did something for us and we don't do it ourselves. So since he did it for us and we didn't deserve it, that's in the gospel category of things. And so we don't want to add law to that. We don't want to add gospel to law either, or we'll never really look to Christ. So I think it's a great little exercise to go through. We did a whole exercise one time on the pactum just law and gospel. I think it was our second episode. 
just to kind of give people a little quiz, sort of like you and I just did. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, it's one of the most important things. I think I'm paraphrasing, but Spurgeon said something along the lines of, if you can figure out this distinction, you're a master theologian. Yeah. And so I like that. I love that too. I think it's very lacking in the church today, understanding that distinction, because in American evangelicalism, particularly, it just seems like it's just not there. It's completely lacking. It really is. It really is. And, and what ends up happening is people blur the two. And as Michael Horton says, then they come up with gospel mm-hmm. uh, and now you've ruined both of them. Uh, and that's not helpful. It's a, it's a perversion of the two. So yes. I'm going to give my life. I'm going to give my life in joining people like you and, and other friends of ours. Uh, among other things, this will be one of the most important things. Can I help people see the difference and understand how significant it is? The world will be a different place. We'll, we'll have people devastated by the law. Yes, and we should be. God requires perfect, personal, perpetual obedience. We can't measure up. It just wrecks us. I mean, Luther talks about when he figured this out, he said, I don't love God. I, I hate God. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't like it for him to say that, but it brought him to the first step of where he needed to be, right? Uh, to be crushed, and then to look outside of himself to Christ. And now all of a sudden, you can be healed. And, and I don't mean that in a temporary sense. I mean that in a spiritual sense. You can be restored and reconciled and rebuilt. And it's, it's just put your show. It's such good news, isn't it? Yeah. It definitely is. Praise God. I, I, I just love hearing yeah. you talk about it. It just <laughs> it, it just uh, overwhelms my soul thinking about how good Christ is and how wonderful it is what he did for us. Right. I, I was listening to you speak about Ephesians the other day on, on an episode, and it encouraged me and it reminded me how amazing it is that we were dead in trespasses and sins and by, by nature children of wrath. But when the Apostle Paul, by the grace of God, understands uh, this great reality of imputed righteousness, credited righteousness, Christ's law-keeping on our behalf, so it's gospel to us, what does he say? That great refrain in chapter 1, to the praise of his glorious grace, to the praise of his glorious grace. I mean, so good. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Nope. Uh, Going on, how can bad theology, uh, blurring law gospel, Blurring, right. justification, sanctification, neonomianism, uh, so new law, uh, somebody who mm-hmm. uh, wants to put law on you that isn't even in Scripture. How can these kinds of bad theology perpetuate brokenness in a believer's life? And then mm-hmm. secondly, can you share any personal experiences in your own life throughout all the years in your journey? as you've grown in the grace and knowledge of Christ and as a pastor where you've seen bad theology cause that kind of brokenness? Okay. Those are, those are big, big questions. Yes. Important ones. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's going to perpetuate brokenness in, in, in people's lives because uh, they're, they're never going to be slain truly by the devastating law and its consequences. They're, they're never going to see that they're as bad off as they are more than likely. And we actually need that. According to Romans chapter 10, that was the problem with the Jews. And, and, but once you do find yourself devastated, you don't measure up to God's strict requirements, then you're going to look outside of yourself 
And, and now you're going to avoid so much of the trouble that leads to discouragement, that leads to frustration. You don't ever see any victory. I, I just want to say, I'm undone. I can't do it. I've got to look to Christ. And now I can rest in Christ and find myself doing the right thing, not out of terror and fear, but as a child, I belong to the family. It reminds me, Joshua, of, of Matthew eleven twenty eight, where Jesus familiarly says, come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, that's law talk. Heavy, the heavy burden of God's law. It's good, but it's heavy to us as sinners. We can't do it. And what does Jesus say? I will give you rest. I will give you Sabbath. So bad theology doesn't tell people that. It's do more, try harder, uh, more laws. Maybe we don't call it law. We call it principles. We call it timeless truths. (laughs) <laughs> we dress it up, but what people, what, the, what it was meant is law. It just leads to frustration. This is, this is one of the reasons why Walter Marshall, who wrote that book, the gospel mystery of sanctification, which we could really recommend. Mm-hmm. He was so frustrated and so beat up and perplexed and discouraged by the writings of the neonomian. Since you dropped that big $40 word yeah. <laughs> uh, by the, by the neonomianism of Richard Baxter. And Richard Baxter denied justification by grace alone through faith alone and Christ alone. And he was busy trying to get people to behave because they needed to earn final justification. Mm-hmm. Well, it's no wonder Marshall wrote that wonderful book uh, that brings us freedom when we understand the work of Christ. Amen. So I think that's a really good historical example. Uh, and it, it really could help us to see the bad theology of things and to see its devastating effects. For sure. So, Pat, can you share any personal experiences in your own life as a pastor where you have seen bad theology cause brokenness in your own life and in other people's lives that you shepherd? Well, I don't want to be a broken record and keep emphasizing this, but I guess I'm going to be now that I qualified it. The best thing in the whole world, I think, is for us to, to clearly see what God requires and to, to really just let the law do its work. I wish I would have done a better job of not giving law light or some kind of diluted thing, timeless truths and principles and all these character studies and to be a better David and try to be a more daring Daniel and all these kinds of things. Uh, not that there isn't any of that, but really the Bible is a, it's redemptive historical. It's, it's this unfolding drama about redemption and all of these types and shadows that anticipate. So Israel is redeemed out of Egypt and, uh, and Babylon and these sorts of things. And ult- ultimately we're leading to Christ. And so it helps me to read the Bible differently. But before when I was reading it as a, well, I've got this huge old Testament. What do I do with it? Well, I guess we're going for timeless truths and principles and character studies. And I think that led to a lot of bondage. Uh, people realize they don't measure up and they need to be a better Daniel. And uh, it's, it's discouraging and we're not calling it law. Uh, we're calling it something <laughs> gospel, timeless truths, and just leads to a whole lot of frustration and discouragement. And then when the light bulb goes off and you say, Hey, hold on a second, Luke 24, John chapter five, all of these texts where the Bible is about Jesus. The whole Bible is about Christ, the old in anticipation, the new shows us the fulfillment, connects the dots that we have types and shadows, but the substance belongs to Christ. In these last days, he's spoken to us through his son. Uh, all of this stuff helps you to go, oh, not in a weird allegorical kind of way with hidden meanings, but the Bible organically is about Jesus, Amen. the whole thing. And now I can teach the Bible that way instead of the old way 
that just ends up being confusing and discouraging and just more leads to more brokenness to, to go to the point again. So hermeneutics ha- have really helped me. Bad hermeneutics led to trouble in my life and pastoral ministry. And I knew Greek and I knew Hebrew and I knew how to diagram sentences and all that. <laughs> to, to have the moment where you go, oh, the Bible is Christ-centered. People call it redemptive historical preaching, uh, where there's an unfolding drama leading somewhere and it's the somewhere's to Christ. That's been the best medicine pastorally uh, wise. Amen. So Amen. I think it's interesting because, you know, when people say Christ is the answer, then they're like, <laughs> well, that's too simple. Like, right. Uh, or you're giving me like this, uh, blanket statement or something like that. They, it's like, they can't accept that it's that simple. <laughs> it, Joshua, gotta, you're, you're right. There's got to yeah. be something else, you know, but it, it, there's not. <laughs> isn't it interesting that the Lord Jesus was so wise, obviously, and kind, and uh, that he gave us, you know, these two important sacraments, these two important ordinances, you know, both great profound word pictures, baptism, uh, what it means to be united to Christ by faith. You know, we're united with him in his death, united in his resurrection. We receive Christ and all of his benefits, but it's his, it was his death. It was his resurrection. Uh, and we're united to him. And baptism should speak a thousand words to us uh, and, and be comforting and encouraging. The Lord's Supper, do this basically, I'm paraphrasing, till he comes again. Uh, do this in remembrance of me. I, I think he knew. He knew we were going to be prone to wonder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we need this regular, ongoing reminder in the supper. Uh, it's about him. It's about him. It's about him. It's gospel, 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 gospel. But I think he knew we would forget uh, because we do. Amen. And we turn into Pelagians or semi Pelagians. And it's no wonder we're so discouraged. Yes, very much so. Now, as believers in Christ who are safe, you know, therefore having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Well, now we're motivated to to obey and do the right thing, not out of terror uh, of coming judgment, but because we belong to the family. We've been adopted into the family. Mm. And and now we might receive fatherly discipline, uh, but there's no condemnation. Amen. Uh, and so it helps us to be bold. It helps us to be uh, comfortable in the right sense. Right. So, well, I've I, you've already kind of shared your own journey in growing and understanding in these truths, and um, and somewhat shared how that's changed the way that you, as a believer and a pastor, shepherd your sheep. But mm-hmm. is there any way, like specifically, that you can maybe mm-hmm. elaborate on that a little bit? Well, maybe a one a, spe- a specific example uh, would be thinking in terms of, well, let's use, let's go to Proverbs 31 mentally. I'm not going to turn there, but the Proverbs 31 woman. And uh, we were joking off air early on where, you know, your wife was kind and gracious and got you some packed and gear as a gift. And I said, Oh, you, good thing you have a Proverbs 32 wife. That's right. They buy, they, they buy packed and gear, <laughs> <laughs> but, but joking aside, what do we have there? Well, we, when I said on a Sunday morning, I was going to preach on Proverbs 31. I knew that there were women in the church who thought, Oh, great. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, Oh, bro, here we go again. You know, it's more in a sense, spiritual abuse. Like, yeah. you know, cause they know they don't measure up. And, and, and then there's the other side though, that the self-righteous people are like, Oh, good. I'm so glad the pastor's going to talk about how good I am. <laughs> right. Right. 
because I measure up. Right. And I, I know both kinds of ladies and uh, I love them both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All of a sudden you, you realize that the Proverbs is, is you know, perfection personified mm-hmm. and, and wisdom is used in the Bible when you pay attention to wisdom literature. Uh, and sometimes you can prove it in the book of Proverbs personified and and, and Christ is described as, as wisdom personified in the Bible. And now all of a sudden you're like, oh, I don't mind. This is helpful. <laughs> yeah. 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 And to invite women to say, to, to realize they, you know what, I, indeed you don't measure up. And at first they might be mad, but then all of a sudden I, I, I think I received more compliments and more words of encouragement on that Sunday, maybe than, than ever before. Mm-hmm. Uh, just uh, having people help, thank me. We did an episode episode 54 on the pactum and i met someone in california not long ago and uh the guy said hey my wife my wife wants to talk to you meet you uh, the pactum changed her life mm. well i'm like what well you know my ego was really big then no he said <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't you it's it's a, a reformed or a redemptive historical understanding of proverbs 31 because then you can say oh this is law and and now that and then once you're in christ by faith uh, and the laws, obligations have been met. Now you can say, I want to do the right thing. Mm. You know, as the old reformers would say, now out of gratitude, now that I'm safe, I do want to try to excel. Uh, and what's interesting there is that then I, then I invite the men to say, you know what, you too, actually, since it's principle and law, you can be a Proverbs 31 man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so things like that are, are, are so wonderful and bring people joy and happiness and restoration and reconciliation in their own hearts and minds. It's, it's really a joy to, to be able to see these things and uh, to be, in a sense, set free from them. Amen. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, you may be dealing with brokenness in your life. You may be struggling, as Paul did in Romans chapter 7. You may be struggling with some of this bad theology that you're hearing day in, day out, whether it's people you're listening to, whether it's the church that you attend, it's very aware that that can be disheartening to you. And you may not even understand that some of what you're dealing with is a result of just bad teaching. It's so important, so important for you to look to Christ and to look to good, solid, historical, orthodox teaching. Amen. And I, I actually was just talking to Justin Purdue um, the other day. Uh, we were texting back and forth. Over um, at Theocast, that, holding the fort down. That's right. That's right. Theocast. And uh, I shared with him some of my frustrations with that. And I was talking to another friend. And he asked me the question. He said, you know, what do you think it is? that's going on right now, it seems like there's a movement, this grace-based gospel movement that's going on, uh, like a resurgence of the Reformation. And I told him, I'm like, bro, the reason there's this resurgence is because American evangelicalism has tried to take us back to Rome. And there is a new reformation going on. It, it was interesting because we were talking about this yesterday, which was October 31st, Reformation Day. Sure. And yep. uh, we were talking about Martin Luther nailing the 95 theses to the Wittenberg castle doors and talking about like he just wanted to have a debate. 
that he he wasn't wanting to necessarily leave the Catholic Church at that time. He was wanting to just talk about it. Sure. And boy, that brought a firestorm. The same indeed thing is it did. It, it, it indeed did, and thank God that it did. Now we in this twenty first century are dealing with the same things that Martin Luther was dealing with. Maybe a little bit different. It's a little bit different context. But we are dealing with these things. And there's going to be a firestorm. People come at us because we are preaching the radical truth that Christ is all you need. And people don't like that because they want to somehow contribute to their own justification. They want to contribute to what they can offer to God. But as Pat has shared with us, man, brothers and sisters, that just brings brokenness in our lives because we're never going to measure up. We're never gonna, we need a substitute. We need somebody to stand in our place and we have him there available. He has offered himself to us. We simply need to receive accept him, rest in him, grow in his grace and knowledge. That's right. That that doesn't take away from the fact that we have to obey. That <laughs> We are not antinomian. Uh, Pat is not an antinomian. All of the other people that are putting forth these truths of this gospel resurgence, they are not antinomian. But there are categories when we understand law and gospel, um, we didn't really talk a whole lot about the third use of the law in this podcast, but that is where the law is appropriate for a Christian. That'd be a good another episode for you to do, right? Yeah, for That'd sure. That'd be helpful. For sure. Right? And the, maybe we can have you... gratitude side. Yeah, definitely. And brother, maybe um, in the weeks to come, we can have you back to talk about that. Um, I think it would be really helpful for people to understand that. But brothers and sisters, brokenness comes because we look inward. Brokenness comes because we look at what's going on around us and we look at what people are doing to us and we look at our own sin that affects us. But healing and restoration and just as Pat said, reconciliation, all of these things, where does that come from? It comes outside of us. It's alien. Pat said alien righteousness. That doesn't mean it's like from outer space. No, (laughs) it's just outside of ourselves. It is from God. It is from Christ. And brothers and sisters, that's where we need to look. That's where we need to rest. I want to thank our guest today for taking the time to share with us today. He's very knowledgeable. I very much appreciate his ministry. Pat, thank you so much for joining the Broken Vessels podcast today. Is there anything that you'd like to shout out before we end our uh, time together? Oh, I just want to say uh, you're welcome. It's a privilege and an honor. Can we still say privilege in the 21st century? I don't know if we can. It's not socially acceptable. (laughs) (laughs) What what do they say in Africa? It's been my pleasure. Yes. Uh, It's been my pleasure to be on. So thank you for allowing me to be on, right? Appreciate (laughs) it, Joshua. Appreciate what you're doing here. Uh, if people want to know more about what we do, they certainly could find us uh, at the Pactum on Twitter or the Pactum.org website or on Instagram. They could find us at the Pactum Theology. Uh, but we're basically just 
committed to talking about the same things you and I were talking about today, promoting the once and for all delivered to the saints faith, which has everything to do with Christ and uh, anything we can do to help and encourage, uh, get the good word out. We'll do that. Amen. Thank you so much. And thank you all for joining us today. And we will see you next week. 